Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. You're with me here on Market View. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. Let's start the morning right here in Singapore with Tomasic Holdings, which is reporting its worst return in seven years. In fact, it suffered a rare net loss. Now, most years, Tomasic is amongst the world's top state investors. However, this year, Tomasic lost more than $7 billion. It also saw the value of its portfolio tumble by more than 5%. What's behind the disappointing performance, Ryan? Yeah, I was at the Tomasic Review yesterday, so they had a whole PowerPoint slide going on and the Q&A. And as you expect, a lot of questions were being lobbed about FTX. I think at least four. Um, That was one small part of the reason why Tomasic had a rough year. The losses came through because of a slump in equity valuations, especially in the tech space, life sciences, and payment sectors. And also to bear in mind the timing of it, so the year, financial year for Tomasic is between March and March. And this was just right after the Ukraine war kicked off. So there's a bit of base effects there that didn't do any favours for market valuations. And the numbers you're looking at is $7 billion in terms of losses driven by unrealised losses from mark-to-market accounting. So that's the other part. From 2019 onwards, there was a stricter form of accounting. So that also played a part in bringing down numbers, at least relative to past years. So something that did not do well for Tomasek, so it's worst return since 2016. During yesterday's annual investor review, Tomasek CEO and Executive Director Dylan Pillay defended Tomasic's investment in the disgraced crypto exchange FTX. Tomasic had to write off nearly $370 million due to FTX's bankruptcy. Tomasic has since enhanced its due diligence processes to try to avoid similar situations in future. Tomasic officials also say they do not plan to invest in crypto, the sector, anytime soon, given uncertainties there. Moving forward, Tomasic is looking to boost its returns by investing more in growth-oriented companies. Tell us more. Yeah, so this is where you've got that picture of the portfolio. A part of it goes into what's called dynamic assets. And these are assets or investments that are bringing higher than expected returns than the rest of portfolio. And the rest of portfolio is in that way described as being more resilient, perhaps a more boring stuff, if you will. So that's where they are allocating or how they're allocating their monies. And this is with the view also with constructing a portfolio to be more resilient mm-hmm. with what's happening in the world, a bit of volatility, in fact, more these days and very uncertain. So the whole idea here is to make it able to stand by itself, withstand all these shocks and twists and turns. And we've seen many in the past few years, like the Ukraine war, um, geopolitical tensions among them. So it is a way of diversifying itself as well, being able to get returns and bet on the right sectors. And one other part of the conversation is whether it will continue to look at high growth or early stage companies. And you mentioned this as well, FTX just now. So as part of their approach, they are still going to look at early stage companies, mm-hmm. but there'll be a cap of 6% of the portfolio that will go to early stage companies and they will continue, they say, to keep that part, that 6%, diversified, well diversified. So that's their approach. Still looking at it, but 
making sure they have the guardrails in place. Limiting the possible downside from investing in early stage companies, interesting to 6%. Tomasic has made new investments in the payments platform Stripe, as well as a cloud company called Dato and an IT security provider named Kaseya. Tomasic is also looking to increase investments over in India and in South Asia. I want to check in on US markets now. 10 minutes past nine, a late bout of buying during the final 20 minutes of this morning's session led the Dow Jones Industrial Average to its best performance in a month. The Dow jumped nearly 1%. The S&P 500 and Nasdaq chalked up solid gains as well. Earnings and inflation are the big market themes this week and I will have more information on inflation for you this evening with the release of the latest consumer price numbers. What are markets expecting, Ryan? All right, so... It's been quite a lot of talk about inflation mm-hmm. and that is with the data coming through in the next two days. First, tonight, consumer prices. Tomorrow, producer prices. So diving into consumers first, it does look like there are expectations that inflation could start to cool off as the spending spree, so to speak, on things like cars, airline tickets, hotel stays, starts to cool off. I guess at some point, people will have to go back to reality and go back to work and not have as much cash as they had uh, to splash. So the revenge spending had to stop at some point. So uh-huh. they are watching for the number to drop. So the headline is expected to drop to 3.1%. 3.1%. That's a huge drop from... July's reading or last July's reading of 9%. So that's a lot of progress when it comes to bringing down inflation. But mm. bear in mind, um, that is the non-core inflation, the headline inflation. If you strip out the volatile food and fuel prices, mm-hmm. core inflation is expected to stay at 5%. Around 5% is not enough for the Fed, it wants to bring it down to 2%. So on that basis, core inflation is expected to be sticky. It will moderate, but not as fast as the Fed might hope for. So with that in mind, it means the Fed might keep rates higher for longer until things come down. So keeping things restrictive or at least thinking about another rate hike or more in the next meeting. So no change to the narrative of ramping up rates in the near future. The lubricant company WD-40 was one of the best performers. It jumped more than 18%, this on the back of stronger-than-expected quarterly profits. Another big mover was the game maker Activision Blizzard. They're all over my family home, I have to say. Two brothers, Activision Blizzard everywhere. Its shares jumped 11% after a judge gave Microsoft the go-ahead to proceed with its $69 billion US dollar acquisition of the company. What's the latest here? Yeah, the game maker. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you have so much in your house going on. You've got World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, a lot of big games. So it is a go-to title for anyone who is into video games. And this is the go-to title for Microsoft. It's trying to buy Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. There's been all this talk about whether it is going to make it a antitrust issue in the sense that it might make it very tough for smaller players to compete. Will it be a level playing field or not? So that discussion has been going on for quite some time. Some good news finally for Microsoft. A federal judge says it is not going to block the deal even after federal antitrust regulators decided or sought to halt the deal. Mm. So some good news from a judge. Um, the thinking here is that the FTC, the Fra- 
the Federal Trade Commission, which enforces antitrust laws, has not raised any serious questions whether this is going to be an issue. So I think on that grounds, um, the judge has decided, hey, if the FTC is not you know, kicking out a fuss, maybe there is not enough basis for her to block it. So the US judge ruled that Microsoft's acquisition is unlikely to hurt consumers, but the tech giant still needs to work out these regulatory hurdles over in the UK. But some say the legal victory in the US could give those negotiations a boost. All right, time for stocks to watch. I start with a question for listeners. What do Coca-Cola and the London Stock Exchange have in common? Well, if you're thinking about that while you, you know, crunch on that, this question is courtesy of an article about AI in Barron's. Okay, so that was your clue. So what do Coca-Cola and the London Stock Exchange have in common? Answer is they could both be big winners in the race to adopt AI. A new report from Citigroup highlights that 10 stocks could be AI winners, a couple could be losers. I'm going to start with the bullish picks. Who are some of the possible winners, Ryan? All right, you've got the usual suspects. And they include the likes of Microsoft, NVIDIA. You've heard these names making the headlines, making huge jumps and really enjoying a banner year so far. They are the obvious ones because Microsoft is backing OpenAI, which is behind ChatGPT. NVIDIA makes the chips that power these servers that the chatbots need to run on. So that is the obvious part. The maybe not so obvious parts will be, like you mentioned, the London Stock Exchange. And this is where it's using AI to organize and combine data sets. And you also mentioned Coca-Cola. And it's not just Coke, but also Pepsi, PepsiCo. It's using AI to better predict consumer behavior. And in that sense, create marketing content for them as well. Yum China, which has the KFC brand under it, is trying to use AI to better improve its delivery route optimization. So a lot of um, things going on with AI. If you look at Visa and MasterCard, they are using it to monitor for fraud and identity theft. Charles Schwab, the financial company, is using it to improve customer service. I think this is um, something that's been going on with banks as well. And Walmart, another interesting pick, is using technology or AI to help improve its logistics as well. So you've got a lot of different applications for AI, and I think it's still early days. Yeah, I have to say that I won't name the bank, but I got better service from a bank's, local bank's AI chatbot than the in-person call hotline. <laughs> wow, that's a game changer. Never thought that day would come when I'd say that. All right, what do you make of City's analysis of... Uh, first up, let's talk about the companies that City thinks are set to lose out to AI. We know there could be some job displacements. What does City uh, highlight? Yeah, there's always been a fear if AI will replace some jobs. And I think it might have... Uh, Strong argument here because it does replace some of the functions you might be familiar with, like financial advisory. Do you need an RM or relationship manager as much? And you alluded to this earlier as well. Customer service, you just need someone to give it information efficiently, effectively, when you want it as well. And to some extent, AI fits the bill. You can punch in what you want and the AI bot will tell you what you need. So... The guys who provide these services, LPL Financials in the States, Stifle Financial, Raymond James Financial, they are some of the brokers and asset managers being highlighted 
in the article as potential losers. And then the creative side of things is when AI could also be felt. And this is with how things are perhaps easier, the barriers to entry lower for AI to, to make create music, music <laughs> yeah. even ads. If you think about it, Photoshop has become so easy for anyone to do. You can it's just Canva. type in text commands, yeah. change the background. And your background is changed. You don't need to know the nitty-gritty of how to do shadowing or cropping or magic wanding. You just need to type a simple command and there you have it. So it does lower the creative barrier to entry for many industries. And I think perhaps the likes of your ad agencies would be obvious. And to some degree, maybe Adobe, Universal Music, these guys would have to figure out how to navigate this new space, at least. Yeah, so it's not going to be easy for all companies to understand how to integrate AI. In fact, I was talking to a company leader recently, a CEO, um, in the very fast-moving tech space, and he tells me that a popular question being asked now at networking uh, to C-suite leaders is, what is your AI strategy? And if you don't have one, uh, you're pretty much dead Really interesting insight there. What do you make of City's analysis of AI being a game changer and the stocks that could win and six that could lose? Yeah, I think it's a matter of time. And we've seen a lot of interesting applications so far. We've outlined a couple of them. And it's, I think, like the internet. We had internet at some point and then people started to figure out how to make apps on the internet. And then things just created its own economy. And I think with AI, it's early days. We have not figured out how to really apply AI yet, just like how we had internet, but nobody really knew that we we're going to get apps that we have now and all the various spin-offs that have come about, like jobs, like influencers and so on. So it's early days and perhaps we can have this conversation in, I'm not sure, five, ten years how about five minutes? <laughs> Things could change so fast. I had a great conversation with a leader recently on AI and what Web 3.0 means for AI and cryptocurrencies as well. You can check that out on Spotify. The playlist is your money. And for those of you who are worried about losing out to AI, keep this in mind. You may not lose your job to AI, but to someone who knows how to use AI. So keep learning. You could be that person and consider investing in companies that may stand to benefit from the trend. Time now for corporate news and we do it up or down style. Let's both open our books and start with Bank of America, Ryan. Up or down? This is a down for me and it has shades of Wells Fargo. This because it created bogus accounts, double charged customers and is facing a payment fine or settlement penalties at least, $250 million it has to pay to the government. And this includes $100 million it has to return to customers. So it's been quite naughty and it's paying the price. Astonishing story. Bank of America has allegedly overbilled consumers, withheld credit card rewards and even opened fake accounts. And now it has to pay some $100 million US dollars in fines. So that's an up for some of the people who may have been cheated of their money, but definitely a down for Bank of America. Nuclear power companies like Kepco Engineering in South Korea. Let's right. look at them. That's an up for me. And this comes as we hear news about South Korea considering adding a new nuclear plant. So nuclear stocks are going nuclear. So surging as much as 30%. And this involves the likes of Kepco Korea Electronic 
Power Industrial Development Company. So that's been in focus and really interesting days. Yeah, Korea Electronic Power Industrial Development surged as much as 30% yesterday as looking at those shares in light of South Korea saying it is considering buying a new nuclear power plant. Bosung Power Technology, Kepco Engineering and Construction and Woojin, they all choked up. Double-digit gains as well, solid gains there. Singapore-listed tech company Nanofilm, up or down? Yeah, the, this is the company that makes the advanced materials and coatings for many of the devices we have. And it is a down for me. This comes as we see Nanofilm issuing a profit warning. Warning of a net loss of around $8 million when it reports its numbers next month for its first half of the year. It expects revenue to drop by 34% to $73 million. On top of that, it has abandoned an earlier target of achieving revenue of $500 million as well as its earnings target for... 100 million come FY 2025. Yeah, and behind that warning that Nanofilm lost some 8 million during the first half of the year, it says that inflation and weak consumer demand are hurting its business. So I join you there. It's a down for Nanofilm for me. Last up today, DBS. Okay, I've gotten in the news DBS agreeing to sell a 77.8% stake in the electronic payment services provider AXS to Tower Capital Asia, which is a private equity firm. So on that basis, I would say up because it helps them to, in some fashion, diversify or at least divest some of the assets it has, maybe recycle the capital, and also brings in Tower Capital Asia. So that gives a level of strategic partnership as well. Maybe this could grow AXS to another level. Yeah, so those AXS terminals are the ones you use to pay bills, sometimes at petrol stations, sometimes at the lobby areas of buildings. They're largely owned by DBS, but not for much longer, as you heard. Divestment on the cards. DBS selling off most of its stake in AXS to a private equity company. No word yet on how much that sale could be worth. And DBS says it won't affect its profits, but changing it up, sometimes can be good. So I'll give DBS an up. A word about Dassin Retail Trust. We talked yesterday on this program, Your Money, about how the REIT is coming under pressure from shareholders because of its debts, its lack of distributions, its recent losses. We also posed the com- uh, question, why isn't the company selling its assets to pay off its debts? Well, now it seems that company officials are open to this idea. What's the latest here? Yeah, Michelle, I think the folks at Dassin were tuning in. I think. So... <laughs> What we said came through. They are thinking about selling some of their stuff to raise money, perhaps to restructure their loans. And this now is at least official based on the filings they made with the SGX. They are thinking about it, um, considering selling the trust's retail malls as it looks to restructure its loan maturities. So one option is engaging its financial advisor, FTI Consulting, as well as JLL or anyone else who's interested as being a potential strategic investor. Um, So this will see it possibly dispose some of its assets in the next 24 months in what it calls an orderly and structured manner. So hopefully this will go some ways to helping to alleviate some of the financial pain is going through. More concrete details on that reorganization of Dassin Retail Trust coming through this morning. All right, our final word of the day, 
for that, we need to travel to Azerbaijan. The Central Asian nation has some of the world's last remaining COVID restrictions. Its land borders with Russia, Iran, Georgia and Armenia are still closed, ostensibly to prevent the spread of COVID-19, but it seems there's a monetary reason as well, holding on to some funds. While pandemic restrictions hurt most countries economically, they're proving to be quite a money spinner for Azerbaijan. Why is that? Yeah, it's quite interesting angle here. So by closing off the borders, people can't travel or move across borders. And they can't also bring the cash they have out of Azerbaijan. So in that sense, it's good news. No outflow of dollars. And that seems to be helping Azerbaijan. And they don't seem to be moving from that stage of lockdown anytime soon. Extreme savings to the max, shall we say, for Azerbaijan. Um, no movement. It'll be interesting to see what that does to the economy in the midterm, though. This is Your Money. He's Ryan Huang. I'm Michelle Martin. Stay with us. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.